Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Graver Presents. Going through my notes where I send myself all these interesting thoughts that I have during the day. What are you putting on the podcast? Had several different messages asking if I ever really got to the point yesterday, and I said, are you, are you asking me a question about the question episode? <laughs> Maybe I got my point across. One of the things that came up in conversation the last couple of days is that the people around you are just part of a system that we all work in. Whether you want to call that the ecosystem or society or otherwise, and I had this very interesting thought, and um, I'll, I'll read this to you word for word, and then I'm going to explore this episode. This is my voice-to-text message to myself. You should try this now and again. Record your thoughts. Is someone who's doing something that could result in disaster and evil a genius or a madman, or are they just a scientist? Is the dog that tries to instigate and destroys things a terrible animal, or is he just curious? Maybe he's a scientist. How do emotions play into all of this? Because you got to figure out if it's all about the people getting hurt. Are those selfish values? And if it's about the principle of the experiment, then that would be based on the laws of nature and the world at large. So is the right or the interest of the individual so great that we should never explore? Interesting sentence to wrap this up. Here here you go. Do you want to live in a bubble that's the size of a planet or the size of a person? And that was a thought I had to myself as I was uh, headed upstairs to make myself breakfast. What does a guy like me eat for breakfast? I browned a bunch of 93% hamburger meat with uh, Lowry's. Uh, is it El El Paso? Whoever makes the tacos seasoning and salt. They have a wonderful taco seasoning unto itself that's in a uh, container that, that matches uh, any of your other spin-the-top closure seasonings. Um so you got brown 93% hamburger meat with a little uh, Lowry seasoned salt, some taco seasoning. I think I actually put Morton's salt on there as well. Boiled some water with noodles, which are broken into probably... Uh, Anthony, can you help me with this? I think they're about two inches long, but I can't verify. And then I've got uh, in the noodle water some oil, just a dab of oil, some butter and some salt. And uh, we took the hamburger, laid it over top the broken noodles, which obviously won't stand on their own. They're terribly limp. And a uh, little bed of noodles, second layer's hamburger, third layer Parmesan, and then a little A1 for drizzle on top of that. It's wonderful, wonderful breakfast at 9.30 in the, in the morning. And I had these thoughts to myself about, you know... The, if you're exploring things and you don't mean to be malicious, like here's the guy who develops the Manhattan Project. Well, they weren't doing it to end the world. They were doing it as a you know preventative means or 
perhaps they you know now have atomic energy because of those experiments. And you can look at it and say, well, what about all the radiation and the people who died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and so forth? I understand both points of objectivity. But if you're solely concentrated on whether or not there is consequence or collateral damage, you can't get anywhere, right? The old Joker, you know, he's breaking the face mask on Vicky Vale's fireplace and Batman, 1989, Joel Schumacher. And, uh, no, that's, no, 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 Michael Craver. That is Tim Burton's Batman, 1989. Schumacher took over Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. But as Jack Nicholson breaks that mask on the mantle and he looks over at Kim Basinger Vicky Vale and he uh, is also talking to Bruce Wayne <laughs> to, to Michael Keaton he says if you want to make an omelet you gotta break a few eggs and you know the, the cycle of life is a lot like that you know you can you can think what you want but you can't procreate without breaking the hymen so I mean what you, everything's perfect come on now not everything is just going to fall off by accident. You know, there's some scabs you got to pick or band-aids to rip off or otherwise. We'll leave the band-aid on it until it falls off. Will you? How will you know if it's healed? When it falls off? Like, indefinitely? Think about whether what you're doing and what you're arguing is high or low on that seesaw, that scale of risk versus reward. Because as you look around... And think to yourself, you know, I don't want this person to go and shop somewhere else. They might not come back and shop at my retail place. I don't want them to talk to anybody else at their school and get other ideas because my children will then have an idea that came from outside of my household. I've lost the illusion of control. Hmm. I think... I want to say I'm pronouncing this accurately. Tempe bourgeois. There's a scene, this wonderful movie. If you never watched it, it's completely just like a tractor beam for me. Um, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, famous for playing Cannibal and or, or in uh, Hannibal Lecter in the uh, Silence of the Lamb movies and so forth. He's in Fracture. Anthony Hopkins plays this character who's a doctor, and I, his name eludes me, and I think it fits the character very well that I don't know his name. It's a movie called Instinct, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins is a photographer and a um, practicing psychologist who goes out to photograph these uh, apes and gorillas in their own I probably am in ruining this if you're a zoological major. But he's photographing these animals out in their habitat in the jungles of Africa. And the folks who run across these gorillas run across him. He ends up being, you know, he, as opposed to moving away from his camp and photographing them and coming back and heading back home, he just one day puts down the camera and just lives with them until he's found and returned to America and he's recessed, you know, and it's all these layers and layers of psychology built into this movie. 
And Cuba Gooding Jr., who was one of his understudies or studied his work in college, whatever it might have been, is now his <coughs> therapist to bring, excuse me, back to the real world. You know, going to wake him up. He's, hey, you're a human being. Come back. You got a daughter and a family. And he, <laughs> at one point in the movie, he gets Cuba Gooding Jr. He's very dangerous. He's been with gorillas. He's, and he's built like a train, too, at least for a, a robust man. He gets the better of Cuba Gooding Jr. in this private session that they're having. Holds him down. Says he's basically going to kill him. If he cannot write down what he's taken away from him. So here's Anthony Hopkins. He's lived with gorillas. He's been returned to the real world. And human beings are trying to wake him up. He gets the better of his psychologist. Tells him his life is on the line. He's trying to wake him up. And he holds his weapon to the throat of Cuba Gooding Jr. Who can't get away. He says, What have I taken away from you? What have I taken away from you? He speaks you know, very well. He's very well thought out. Just doesn't say a lot. And now he's a dangerous um, psychiatric patient. What have I taken away from you? Tempe bourgeois. <laughs> he calls him that because it means some kind of idiot or something like that. It's African for, uh, for, for a person who's not mentally the sharpest, I believe is what it is. I need to rewatch the movie. I encourage you to go watch the movie. Cuba um, Jr. says, you've taken control. Control. And he, he does something to sort of further... Um, to further and uh, uh, elevate the level of danger in the room, where he's like, "No, last chance," you know, <laughs> he's gonna kill him. What have I taken from you? What have I taken from you? And Cuba Gooding Jr. takes this crayon because he can't talk the way he's being held, and he writes on this piece of paper. This is what have I taken from? Cuba Gooding Jr. comes back and he has written down illusions. He says, that's right. And he drops him, you know. He's taking away his illusions. The illusion of control. The illusion of how much whatever your values may be. There's an illusion of how much they matter to the physiology of a human being or the progress and when I say progress I just mean minute by minute I don't mean evolution I mean nature is the wind is going to keep blowing and it'll hit the building and it'll go around it or hit it'll hit the building and it'll stop and then the next progress in nature will be what will happens to that transfer of energy what happens to those basic periodic elements I have manufactured a car I sell you the car now what happens? Well, I guess you use the car. And if you don't, they, you know, put it in a junk pile or crush it and throw it in a landfill or bottom of the, the river because you you ran somebody over and you don't want nobody to find the evidence. So you push the car off the cliff and now it's in the bottom of a river. And the river flows around that car. And that car sits there, stationary. But the world keeps moving. And the planet keeps on turning. 
So whether or not you are in your bubble and your bubble is revolving around any sun or any central, it's part of any system at all, right? We're all part of the solar system. You involuntarily may be part of of the solar system, but whatever false, whatever fake, this mental bubble that people derive around themselves about what can and cannot be done is all mental. It's all an illusion. We shouldn't do that. Well, maybe we are going to do that. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're going to try to build a building that's two miles high and the physics just don't work out. Well, that's what's keeping us from doing it, isn't it? The physics. It's not the idea. The idea in and of itself is harmless. But there's a lot of people who don't want you to discuss ideas. I started this off with this text message I had sent myself. Talking about whether or not people, you know, because they don't want to be hurt, they don't want other people to try things, or they don't want other avenues explored. Oh, we can't, don't, you don't want to be going into cloning. Stem cell research, mm-mm, they can't do stem cell research. How about terminating pregnancies? Well, that's right or it's wrong. It's all an idea. You don't like the idea. You don't like the practice of it. But it can be done. Let's let's be very clear. Like the the, the actual process is plausible. It can take place. You don't like the idea that you know back in what's it been? Be the twenty uh, years, and I don't say anniversary because that's something you celebrate. Twenty years since last uh, we saw the towers in New York. You don't like the idea that somebody could take an airliner and bring those structures down but that's the way nature works it delivered that energy generated a lot of heat heat melts steel and just like Jerry Lawler did to Andy Kaufman just like The Undertaker did to so many people in wrestling a pile driver effect happened from the top of those buildings and just took it all the way to the ground if you don't understand exactly how that worked You've probably never been part of a pyramid in a cheerleading routine or watched in gym class where people have tried to mimic that. Maybe you're not a cheerleader, but you guys were getting on each other's shoulders and building a pyramid, or you've tried to juggle things, spin plates on a stick otherwise. When the structure below something is compromised by the weight above, it will fall. Older people find this out all the time with osteoporosis, their legs... Limbs, femurs, wherever it might be, hips are number one, right? That's what we know. He fell and broke his hip, right? It doesn't hold the weight. And it, the top of it drove it into the ground, however it might have been, straight down to the side, diagonal, doesn't matter. It's a process of nature. Don't teach my kid that. They can't handle that information. Is that what you're saying? Oh, it could be dangerous, right? Well, you know, I was just watching Law and Order. Season 1, episode number 13. Um, and that's what I'm on, Death in the Family. So, uh, however, they're discussing old tactics. And I know at the end of all Law and Orders, it says these events are fictional and based on, you know, no real events, no actual events. But somebody bombed an abortion clinic, which then becomes the 
something that's taken over by the ATF, let's be very clear. But in this case, for law and order purposes, the homicide cop and the regular you know, sergeant are going to go out there and investigate, just like the NYPD is going to have jurisdiction. And the abortion clinic was blown up, you know, because somebody bombed it. Now, there is a a perfect clash of these ideas. Should you do this? Should you terminate life? You're killing these people, but it'll prevent this other thing from happening. Or maybe you're just derailing it and somebody will open a clinic up somewhere else or or otherwise. I mean, the same thing happens all over the, the world with people who do it in other businesses and other walks of life. They don't want this political process to happen. So what do they do? They blow the place up. They go suicide bomb into the town hall. If you're watching the old Naked Gun movies, um, they have the Pope and, you know, the President and the people who are trying to kill them are all these, you know, Palestinian, Iranian, Israeli... I just call everybody the Ottoman Empire, right? Because that was... The whole area was the Ottoman Empire back in the day. It doesn't exist anymore, but it's... Historically, it just covers all that ground. I like to put things underneath an umbrella that applies, so... Predominantly Ottoman Empire. It's not something that applies to the traditional, you know, Kenyan, South Africa, European sort of thing. It's unique to that part of the world, at least for the most part. Suicide, you know, bombing has happened with their culture. And in the Naked Gun movies, there'll be, you know, the guys are dressed up that way, or they make these, what are probably, if you were going to be, very safe space, what I'm talking about with your ideas. You want to live in a bubble. You don't want people to be able to say things that you consider to be offensive. <laughs> Being offended is part of free speech. Let me be very clear. But if you watch those movies back, and you say, oh, man, they're stereotyping that guy. I don't know. Maybe the guy who was suicide bombing did run into the room and go, la, 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 you know, and, and that's how it went. I don't know. I wasn't there. I hadn't watched a lot of. You go. You want to see this? Live Leak, L I V E L E A K, Live Leak's website carries anything you want to see from around the world, from things that are on Al Jazeera to otherwise. There are things that get taken down, but predominantly, if, if you want to see some kind of stuff that's censored other places in the world, it is not safe for work. I wouldn't go there uh, on anybody else's dime or where you're going to be monitored and you know you're putting your job on the line. However. You know, when stuff happens in other parts of the world that we don't show here, somebody gets caught stealing and they cut their hands off, and it's videotaped, they'll put it on there. They hung Saddam Hussein and leaked the video, they put it on there. You may not like the idea of that. You don't want those kind of things to be seen. Your bubble is not the planet Earth. Your bubble is around your head. You're living in your own mind. That's how small that bubble gets. It's up to you whether or not you know and realize, you actualize the idea that those things are an illusion. And somebody else can can take away that for you. But I learned that, I guess, at nine years old. 1982 is when I was born. And there was a week, I remember the week better than this, but there was it was a week when they released both albums and they were number one and two. Old Axel and Duff and Izzy and Slash. Am I missing some people? Dizzy? Um, Guns N' Roses released their two, double album. Use Your Illusion 1. Use Your Illusion 2. And I've liked the word every, ever since then. And... Um, 
I believe the song that the lyric is is contained in is called "Don't Damn Me." Um, I don't like to go reference. You've never seen you know what happens in my podcast very much because it's just me talking to the microphone. I'm not doing a lot of research, and I have my computer set up here, but I'm not researching in the background. You don't hear keys typing and going crazy, right? so everything comes from memory. It comes from inside of my bubble. I believe the song lyric, without having to look it up, from Don't Damn Me, um, that your satisfaction lies in your illusions, but your delusions are yours and not mine. We take for granted we know the whole story. We judge a book by its cover, then read what we want between selected lines. And then there's this fantastic guitar solo. Matter of fact, I love that song so much right now. That will be what you heard in the beginning and the end of this episode. I'm going to put the lines in there. I I really like the thought that I had when I, I started to come into the, the idea of making this episode today. It's Friday, the January the 22nd. And it's been wonderful today. Uh, the people around me are happy and healthy. and uh, I hope everybody's enjoying their new year. I hope we're... <laughs> As we've we've been talking about the pandemic and how we're going to handle things worldwide and keeping everybody in in scope, right? Travel bans and whether you're good to your neighbor, whether you wear a mask, whether you get vaccinated, whatever it might be. These are ideas that come look like they're they're going to come around more and more. But hopefully, these situations are handled once in a lifetime. But the way that they're handled, you know, affect the cycle of nature from then on. What happens when you discover this precious thing? Are you going to turn it into a museum? Or are you going to hide it in somebody's house? Or is this this precious element that you can, you know, like the Superman story? I've got kryptonite. What are you going to do with that kryptonite? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to throw it in my book bag and I'm going to throw it in the attic. Nobody will ever know it's there. You know, we have shows for stuff like that, American Pickers and Pawn Stars and all this stuff where people take things that they, you know, does this still have any value to anybody? It's after the fact when it's been discovered and it want to know if it has some sort of <laughs> trade value, some retail value. What I'm talking about is, is the idea behind things, which... We call intellectual property. United States Title 17 covers intellectual property. People who have an, the idea for a song or a TV show, a book, or otherwise. When you get a patent, you have the idea behind the mechanics of an idea. But my question to you today, to carry over from our question from yesterday, is just that. How much are you willing to limit others? How far are you willing to go to put the effort into keeping things from happening as opposed to just surviving as we explore what might happen? Oh, let's just set this atom bomb off and see where, you know, if we survive or not. I'm not suggesting you do something that you is a... <laughs> On the risk versus reward seesaw. I'm not 
proposing that you tempt fate with what would be qualified uh, to be very ugly odds. You know, I'm not saying for you to put yourself in grave danger. That's the speech at the end of A Few Good Men, right? You said grave danger. <laughs> you said danger. I said grave danger. <laughs> you know, so L- Lieutenant Weinberg and was that Colonel Nathan Jessup? He's looking for a few good men. And they, they're having a discussion about ideas. That Santiago, who they have to snuff out of the Marine Corps, that his death probably saved lives. And yet here's the people prosecuting the colonel who are saying, no, that we needed to preserve his one life. Now, if you preserve his one life and you cost a lot of other people their lives, it seems to me that in the mathematics world, one doesn't outweigh any number greater than one. And there's where that discussion comes from. So, hopefully those are a few things you can relate to and try to keep a certain level of <clears throat> professionalism as we've talked about progressing this this podcast into the future. I hope you have a great weekend. I got a young man turning eight years old. He is not in any way, shape, or form to be called the plug or uh, proposition because he might be in the business of uh, doing any transactions for herbal or medicinal or otherwise uh, natural substances with you. His name is Jonathan, and that's why we call him the J-Man. But, for me, if you if you don't tell Colt, I'll promise to tell you this. Uh, Jonathan gets to be uh, number one son for just a little while. So, if you're listening in the future, J-Man, Jonathan, yeah, you named after some of my favorite people. John Elroy Sanford, that's Red Fox, to those of you uninitiated folks out there. I also have great fondness for the uh, ideas behind a man named John Lennon. Of course, this is not here, (coughs) nor there. (laughs) Hope you guys have a great Friday. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Okay.